Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Three, two, one. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing, nothing but pure sports. Welcome, everybody, to FanStream Sports, powered by DSP Media. This is the Fighting Irish Daily Blitz, and I'm your host, Rob Fitoff, also known as RPT. You can find me on Twitter, at PFitoff. So for episode 84 today, I'm going to be taking a deep dive into the 91-92 Notre Dame men's basketball team. However, I will refer to them as the 92 team. I always remember better based off the new year of the team. Yes, I know they did start the season in 91, but the new year rolled into 92. So going forward, I'm just going to say the 92 uh, Notre Dame men's basketball team. So the thing was, they ended up going to the NIT, the championship game in the NIT tournament. They did lose to Virginia. However, a lot of people always make fun of the NIT, saying the not important tournament. However, this is one of the most talented teams I saw as a, I mean, I was only 16 years old at the time, but the athleticism and just overall talent level, especially for three players, uh, we haven't seen that in a while at Notre Dame. I mean, if you take away... Let's say post uh, Bonzi Colson, who graduated in 2018, the athleticism on the current program has been lacking over the past five years. Uh, take away Blake Wesley, he was very athletic, and JJ Starling. But take away those two players there. This program needs some more athleticism, and hopefully, Coach Shrewsbury will get to that point as he molds this team uh, starting next year. But I can't say enough this team was so athletic, so fun to watch. They could beat any team in the nation. The problem was they could lose to any team in the nation. And that's why they only made it to the NIT. They ended up, let's just, I'll give you some brief, uh, a brief summary of the team before I get into the nuts and bolts. And then I'm going to compare them to another team where they had three really good players. But I still think that team was better than this uh, current, or not current, but the 92 Notre Dame team. So they defeated five AP top 25 teams. You would think, no brainer, they're going to make it into the March Madness tournament. However, as I said earlier, they could lose to any team and they lost to some really bad teams. And that's why they were in the NIT. They finished 18 and 15. They were still independent. Notre Dame had not joined a conference yet. They did not join the Big East until uh, the 95-96 season, I believe. I thought I had that in my notes, but I'm pretty sure that 95-96 was the first year in the Big East. And then they went to the ACC in the 2013-2014 season. But they're independent in everything. Obviously, they're still independent in football. But they were coached by John McLeod. That was his first year after Coach Digger Phelps had retired. John McLeod coming from the NBA. They allowed 71.5 points per game and scored about 3% or 3 points less at 69.8 points per game. So there's a thing, too. If you Usually teams that make the tournament, they're scoring more than what they're giving up. This team allowed more points than what they actually scored. So another reason why they probably didn't make the tournament. Uh, they had the sixth toughest schedule uh, in the 90, for the 92 season. And as I said earlier, they made it to the NIT Final Four and the championship game, but they lost in overtime 81-76 to to Virginia. They were led by three really good players. Great athletically, just overall great basketball players. One, my I've said this before, my all-time uh Number one favorite Notre Dame basketball player, Lafonso Ellis. He played from 88 to 92. Lafonso, all these guys were senior too. So let me just say, Lafonso Ellis, Damon Sweet, Elmer Bennett. Those are the three main culprits that made this team so good. And they just didn't get much help. And I think that's one of the reasons too why they would tend to lose to teams that were inferior to them. So Lafonso was a senior that year. Uh, 
power forward, center, you name it. He averaged a double-double. He had averaged 17.7 points per game, 11.7 rebounds, 1.5 assists, and also he was a phenomenal shot blocker. He averaged 2.6 blocks per game. When he went to the NBA, he was a lottery pick that year, the fifth pick or the fifth pick of the NBA draft, went to the Denver Nuggets. He was part of that team, even though it was only a five-game series, uh, the first round of the NBA. He was part of the 94 Denver Nugget team that upset the Seattle Supersonics. That was the first time an eight seed beat a number one seed. And he was a part of that team. He was a part of the NBA all-rookie team his first year. Problem with Lafonso, he just couldn't stay healthy. And it wasn't any fault of his own. Some guys just get bad breaks. But had he had a healthier career, I definitely think he would have been a Hall of Famer in the NBA. However, he's, a, to me, a, a great analyst for ESPN right now. I know a lot of people don't like ESPN right now. But he's part of the game day crew for basketball on Saturdays. Just a very enthusiastic type of guy. Very infectious, um, his personality. And I can't say it enough, class guy, my all-time favorite Notre Dame player. Also senior, Damon Sweet. They listed him as a forward. I thought of him more as a small forward, even somewhat of a shooting guard. 16.8 points per game, 2.7 rebounds, 1.8 assists. And then the point guard, Elmer Bennett. Really great point guard, also a senior, 16.5 points per game, 3.6 rebounds, and then being a point guard, obviously he's going to have more assists. He averaged 6.2 assists per game. He also was in the NBA for a little bit, and I couldn't find anything on Damon Sweets, whether he did not play, excuse me, in the NBA, but he may have played overseas. Here's the funny thing when I was researching this. I put in 91-92, Notre Dame men's basketball, and I, this is what popped up, the 92 football team. And that was the backfield of Rick Meyer at quarterback, Reggie Brooks at tailback, who was the fifth. Uh, he finished fifth in the Heisman Trophy that year. And then fullback was a guy by the name of Jerome Bettis. I think you've heard of that name. To me, that was the most talented, uh, most talented football team that Lou Holtz coached during his career at Notre Dame. However, they did not win the national title. They finished 10-1-1. And, and they... Uh, uh, lost in or no they won the cotton they won the cotton bowl to texas a&m that year and had they just had a one really bad game against stanford and then they had a tie against michigan but the ironic thing too i don't know the actual standings but of all those three players i mentioned before rick meyer reggie brooks and jerome bettis they finished in the top three for the nfl rookie of the year the next year so just a little sidebar there so those three players were pretty much the majority of the team also in the starting five was freshman uh, forward, Billy Taylor. I always thought he'd have been a, a better player. He was a solid player, but just he didn't become like a Lafonso Ellis. He averaged 6.4 points per game, 3.1 rebounds, 1.6 assists. He was six foot five. Uh, Keith Tower, a pretty big center. He was a senior as well for this team, six, uh, six foot 11. But you would think he would at least average double figures especially for rebounds. He only averaged 4.3 points per game, 5.3 rebounds, and 1.4 assists. I think he had somewhat of an NBA career. He played for a couple teams, but nothing nothing like Lafonso, even though Lafonso's career was not cut short by injuries, but limited because of injuries. And then coming off the bench, we had these twins, and a lot of people thought they'd be really good, but I think they, they were big fish in a small pond in high school, and then they became small fish in a big pond. They were twins. John Ross was six foot nine, and then Joe Ross was six foot ten. 
John uh, averaged, uh, yeah, John averaged 3.6 points per game, 2.3 rebounds, 0.5 assists. And then Joe, 0.6 points per game, 0.9 rebounds, and then 0.1 assists. That's just not enough help, especially from really big guys like that. I'm sure they're fine individuals. I'm sure Keith Tower is a fine individual. But when you're that big, you should be helping out these top three players on the team a lot more. And I think that's what limited this team from not going to the tournament. If, if they could have got somewhat more help, who knows? They may have made the tournament and made some noise for that 92 team. And then further, John's best year, not to get too much from these twins, his junior year, 6.5 points and 4.3 rebounds, still not good enough. And Joe, his senior year, 5.1 points per game and six rebounds. You, when you're that big, I'm sorry, you need to rebound a lot better and score a little bit more. I'm not saying you got to score 20 points per game, but at least maybe 10. But what I'm just trying to say, these three players, LaFonso Ellis, Damon Sweet, and Elmer Bennett, carried this team so much. And I think, yes, they won some really big games, but I think, who knows? I always said, you know, Coach Bray didn't play enough players, and you would get dead legs by the end of the year. Maybe this is what happened to this team, too, where Coach McLeod's like, hey, I I got to ride with these three guys. And during when they would lose to teams that were inferior to them, maybe it was because of dead legs. So... Now, I want to uh, compare this team. There was another team that they were called Lethal Weapon 3. And I'm just going to say it was 89-90 season. It was the 1990 Georgia Tech team. They were in the ACC. They finished third in the ACC regular season. They were 28-7, and 8-6 in the ACC. But they won the ACC tournament and then went to the Final Four in Denver, where they eventually lost to the eventual champion UNLV. That was that great UNLV team with Stacey Augman, Greg Anthony, Anderson Hunt, Larry Johnson, and they had three players that were called Lethal Weapon 3. And it was a play on the Lethal Weapon movies. Two Lethal Weapon movies had come out. Here's my pop culture reference uh, for my podcast. However, Lethal Weapon 3 didn't come out until 1992. This was just a play on, you know, if there was a Lethal Weapon 3, there'd be these three guys. Uh, sort of a play on words and pop culture. But... This was 1990, so two years before the true Lethal Weapon 3 in, in, in the movies. And I think you'll know these names. Dennis Scott, great NBA career. Brian Oliver, not I think he was more overseas. And then Kenny Anderson had a decent NBA career as well. He was a very coveted high school player coming out in 1989. Look at these stats. And these guys weren't all... Brian Oliver was a senior, but Dennis Scott was a junior. Kenny Anderson was a true freshman, whereas... Lafonso, Damon, and Elmer were all seniors, so they had that experience. Dennis Scott, junior forward, averaged 27.7 points per game, 6.6 rebounds, two assists. Brian Oliver, shooting guard, he was a senior, 21.3 points per game, six rebounds, 3.3 assists. Kenny Anderson, a true freshman point guard, phenomenal uh, freshman point guard, 20.6 points per game, 5.5 rebounds per game, and then 8.1 assists. He hit that great, uh, it wasn't a buzzer beater shot, but it was a shot, I think, to get into overtime. When they upset Michigan State, who's the number one seed that year in the Sweet 16, and they ended up beating them, and then that propelled them into the Final Four out in Denver, where they eventually lost to UNLV. So I know everything's not about stats, but if you want to compare the stats, obviously they're a step ahead of the uh, Notre Dame 92. If you want to call them Lethal Weapon 3. And also, they went to the Final Four, and they made the actual so-called real tournament uh, for March Madness. So that, again, stats, going to the Final Four. 
I wanted to say, I, I was going to say the 92 team, our lethal weapon three was kind of a poor man's Georgia tech lethal weapon three, but I don't even, I wouldn't even go there. I, we were still a very solid uh, lethal weapon three in our own right. I would just say Georgia tech was a movie seen on the big screen. Whereas Notre Dame's team was still a good movie, but it might've just been a TV movie or went straight to Netflix or DVD. You can still have a pretty good movie that way, but it's not going to be a blockbuster type uh, silver screen, you know, back in the day with ET and star Wars, that type of thing, jaws. And I'm trying to think recently, uh, probably last year, you know, top, top gun Maverick. That was a so-called big time movie event, but that was Georgia Tech. We were just a little bit, obviously we weren't as good, but we weren't as far off as what I thought after I researched this a little bit more. And the only thing I could really find online too was the uh, the championship game in the NIT when we lost to Virginia. And there was a couple snippets from ESPN on SportsCenter for this 92 team. I said, I thought the world of this team. I was 16 years old at the time and they were just so fun to watch. And I just thought, man, if they could just somehow beat the teams they're supposed to. They can make some noise in the 92 tournament. That was the year Christian Leitner hit the shot to beat Kentucky uh, at the last second. Indiana had a really good team that year. It was The final four was Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati, Michigan with the Fab Five, uh, Duke, and then Indiana. And I just kept thinking if, if we could have just got in there, who knows what would have happened, but it is what it is. And... Oh, I lost my train of thought there. It's just, I, I really couldn't, it was just based on my own memory, looking up, you know, stats on Notre Dame's website and stuff like that. There really wasn't much to find on this team. I just think that's unfortunate. This was a very, one of the, one of the better teams I've seen in my lifetime at Notre Dame. And yes, I know it was only NIT, but they were pretty talented. And if ball could have bounced uh, a a couple different ways here and there. And like I said, if the Ross twins would have helped out a little bit more, Keith Tower, Billy Taylor, who knows how far this team uh, could have gone. Cause I said earlier, when I did a Google search, it came up 92, the 92 football team. So let me just give you a quick synopsis of how the, the, this season, the 92 season started. They started out one and five. Then now you're going to see how it was just up and down the whole year. So they started out one and five, then three wins in a row. Then two losses in a row, one and one, two wins in a row, and then three losses in a row. And some of those losses were to, or let me keep going. So they had three losses in a row. Then they had four wins in a row. They started to find their stride. And that was a big win at Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. And then I believe it was the same week at home, they beat, so Syracuse was ranked number 10 at the time. And then at home, they ended up beating UCLA, who was ranked number two at the time. So within that span, they beat the number 10 team in the nation, the number two team in the nation. And UCLA made it to the Elite Eight that year uh, for the 92 tournament before they were, they lost to Indiana, who I said earlier, went to the Final Four that year. And then they were back to a loss. They lost to Dayton. That's when Notre Dame used to play Dayton twice a year. One in South Bend, one at Dayton. I wish they would... Uh, bring that rivalry back. I know both are in conferences now, but I think at least play once a year, some sort, maybe first game of the season or early on before conference play starts. And then they had three wins in a row again. And one of those was over number 20 St. John's. That's when St. John's was a really good basketball program. Not so much now. We'll see what Rick Pitino does with that. 
And then two, you just think if they just get one or two wins to close out the year, their next two games were at a number 15 to Paul and that, and then at Evansville, who isn't anything at all, they lose both of those games to finish 14 and 12 and we're headed to the NIT. And what else here? And after that, that was the thing too. I think why this team stands out so much for me, that was the last time, even though I, I can't say this, just the NIT run, that was the last run for a while that Notre Dame had. I'm going to bring it up here on my cheat sheet. After that season, Notre Dame basketball, I know it, it's in the dumps right now. After this year, just a really bad year this year, we had a period after this. So after the 92 season, in 1993, we finished 9-18. and 18. 1994, we finished 12 and 17. And I actually went to a Notre Dame game that year with my dad. They they ended up ups, kind of like with this team. They upset UCLA at Notre Dame on a Saturday. And that was a team with the O'Bannon brothers, Ed and Charles O'Bannon. That team would end up winning a national title a year later in 1995. And then the next day, we go down to Georgia, beat Georgia. And you think, maybe, hey, if they make a run, maybe they can at least make the NIT. That next night, I think it was on a Tuesday night, because I was, and this was before, you know, you had tons of TV stations or the internet to watch games. I remember CNN just had a ticker of all major college sports programs. And we were playing Butler that night. And that was before Butler was even thought of as a uh, basketball school. I mean, obviously, they made it to two uh, national titles in 2010 and 2011. But not to digress too much. But that, yeah, they played Butler actually at home from what I remember. And they lost to Butler. So I can't say enough. Just very inconsistent for the program during these years. And it was just ironic. You have really two big wins then you come back home and lose to Butler in any event. So 94, 12 and 17, 95, 15 and 12. And I, and they did not, I checked, they didn't go to the NIT that year either. 95, 96 season. That's the first year in the big East, nine and 18, 97, 16 and 14 winning season. They did go to the NIT that year, but lost to Michigan in the elite eight of the NIT. And then 98, John McLeod's, or no, I'm sorry, yeah, 98, 13 and 14. 99, John McLeod's last year, 14 and 16. And then the 99, 2000 season, I'll just call it the 2000 season, that's when things started to get back to normal. So as you can see, after that 92 season, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years of only making one NIT and pretty much just losing records. Within 90, the 2000 season, we get uh, Coach Matt Doherty. If you check out my other podcast, I did a podcast, What If He Never Left? He turns it around. They go back to the NIT finals. They lose to Wake Forest. Coach Bray comes, and then the rest is history. But after this 92 team, it was slim pickings for any sort of positive news for the men's basketball team. But I just don't – I think this 92 team just does not get enough credit than – than what they deserve. To me, if I had to name a top five for my all-time uh, best Notre Dame teams I've seen, they're going to be at least uh, number five. I'd probably put them at five just because, yes, I got to have some standards in my ranking scale because had they made the NCAA tournament, maybe they're up to four or three, but I have to have some standards there, standards there and say, 
They only made the NIT. Yes, very talented. They could probably beat any team in the nation, but they could lose as well. I, I'd put them at number five. And then here, as I look at my final notes here, they had some, like I said, they had five AP top 25 wins, but their bad losses were Butler, Evansville, Dayton, Detroit, and the the Blue Bloods that they played, they got destroyed by Duke. And that's before Duke was a fellow ACC rival. And then Michigan, they only lost by about 11 points, but that was the Fab Five team where all those freshmen, so all these freshmen beat up on these seniors. And I said, I think the score was 75 to 64. Uh, that's in my head right now when I was doing this research. I just didn't write it down. But, you know, on the main stage where, and I think, yeah, they lost to Duke by like 30 points. And then Michigan, all those freshmen who ended up going to the finals that year. But anyway, I would just think if you're at home, you have a senior dominated class, you have three really good seniors, you should still be a, because Michigan just got on a roll at the end of the year. And this was January or February. So it wasn't in March when they got on that roll where they beat Ohio State to go to the Final Four. What I'm just trying to say is when they were on the big stage at some points, except for, you know, the Syracuse and uh, UCLA game, they kind of laid an egg against Duke and Michigan is what I'm trying to say, even though it took me five minutes to explain that. My apologies. But I just to re, just to kind of uh, review here, the night, if you get a chance and maybe you can find some more uh, videos than I could find online, like I said I was kind of disappointed. I couldn't find as much as I thought. However, I did find all the stats and you know information like that. But if you get a, I got to have some pictures I want to send Tim. Hopefully he can put this on the thumbnail or while I'm talking here, uh, put the pictures up as well. They had some back in the day, the old school uniforms. It was a different type of yellow gold. Maybe they can wear those for a retro retro game this year with uh, coach Shrewsbury. Um, he's a very energetic guy. I think he'd be all for that. So in any event, if you get a chance, look up the 1992 Notre Dame men's basketball team, especially with Lafonso Ellis, Damon Sweet, Elmer Bennett, our own Lethal Weapon 3. Yes, it wasn't the Georgia Tech Lethal Weapon 3, but it was pretty damn good in its own right. And it was, it's. I said, if I had to rank a team, it would be number five right now. But one of the most athletic teams I've ever seen at Notre Dame, and they are really fun to watch. And I hope they get their their fair fair shake, their fair due uh, recognition, because they, they deserve it. That team, I know it was only the NIT, but they're a very talented team and almost won an NIT tournament, which would have been the first in Notre Dame history. So thank you so much for joining me for episode 84. And as always, go Irish.